And just like that, another Power 5 head coaching spot is open. A Big Ten job, Big Ten head job is now open. It still feels weird to say that UCLA is now a Big Ten school, but they will be this next year. As a Big Ten head coach leaves one Big Ten school to go to another Big Ten school to be the offensive coordinator. On the surface, doesn't that just sound so weird? That a Big Ten head coach leaves for another Big Ten school to be the offensive coordinator at the other place? It is odd, but it makes sense, right? Like, And, and Ross Dellinger, who is a national college football reporter and a good one for Yahoo Sports, tweeted out that this move is actually pretty unprecedented. A Power 5 head coach leaving of his own volition to go be a coordinator at another Power 5 institution but especially in this day and age of college football, Tyler, and given the specific circumstances out at UCLA, it does track. Chip Kelly was not lasting beyond 2024 and probably not through 2024. No, by November, he was probably yeah. be out of a job yeah, like that's how was, that, 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 that works now. He was gone, gone, and everybody kind of knew it. I was surprised, as many were, when UCLA elected not to fire him at the end of the 2023 season. It just looked like, okay th – th this program has very obviously plateaued. It behooves both parties to seek a change of scenery, and that's what Chip Kelly is in search of. And, hey, you know what? Credit to him because I guarantee you he gets fired midseason next year at UCLA. Sure, he gets a decent buyout, and that's fine, but I, I guarantee you this, he's not getting as good of a job after getting fired midseason at UCLA as the one he just landed. Yeah, probably not. It's just we, Chip Kelly's going to be – an offensive coordinator somewhere. Parker, 10 years ago, like, he, he was the it guy. He was the and it guy. And forget about college football. Like, he was kind of the it guy in all of football. He was one of the first names, if not the first name, people thought of when you thought of the offensive side of the ball. Do I go here? He yes. was mule shoe before mule shoe. Oh. Has mule shoe even faded away from that, by the way? Or well, he, is, started, is he started still? to, definitely. Man. But like as you know, you think offense these days in college football. Lincoln Riley is one of the first names that springs to mind, right? With the success that he's had coordinating that side of the football. Ten years ago, that guy was Chip Kelly. Yes, and man, he has had a rough go of it as a head coach ever since. Because he was great at Oregon, man. Yeah, he was. He was great and exceedingly innovative. Took that program to a national championship game in 2010. They lost at the Horn. On a field goal to Cam Newton and Auburn, which that team was winning the national title that year. There was no way around it. But Oregon put up a fight, man, in the national title game. And then didn't pan out for him in Philly. Didn't pan out for him in San Francisco. Man, gosh, man, you could have you could have fooled me. I, I just found out earlier today. That Chip Kelly had actually been the head coach at UCLA since 2018. I that know. is forever. I, I, for I, a guy to I be, saw it as well. For a guy to be at one job that long without any sustained measure of success, that he he got a very long leash at UCLA. But he beat Muleshoe last year, and he beat him quite handily, by the way. Maybe that's what saved Chip Kelly's job at the end of last year. But Dante Moore, he ended up transferring. Did Dante Moore end up at Oregon? He is did. that where he ended he up? Did, yeah. Yes. So. That was a big quarterback get for him back in, what, the 2023 class? And then he loses him to another Big Ten school. Um, but Chip Kelly was going to be the head coach at UCLA. I'm with you, man. That probably wouldn't have lasted through Thanksgiving. He probably would have been fired before then. But 
He's uh, he's going to be the head coach at Ohio State, or excuse me, the OC at Ohio State. And UCLA is one of the more fascinating, interesting Power Five jobs out there. Like this was pre-pandemic. I think it was 2019. I went to a UCLA basketball game. UCLA really? was playing Oregon State on like a Tuesday night. I was in LA for the week for a for a radio conference and. Didn't have anything to do that night. I, I'm a I'm a nerd. Like I, I want to go see Polly Pavilion. I love college basketball. I bet Polly Pavilion is awesome. Polly Pavilion was not that cool, by the way. <laughs> I had just gone to Allen Fieldhouse four days before that. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Polly well, Pavilion was just not. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. But it was just so weird, dude. Like standing in the middle of UCLA's campus, which is awesome. It's really nice. And if anyone's ever been to UCLA's campus, it's one of the. It's one of the more beautiful campuses I've ever seen. But, Parker, I'm standing in the middle of UCLA's campus walking to Poly Pavilion, and I realize their football stadium, probably even without traffic, is like 45 minutes away from here. So, I do in no way do I think it's a top 10 job. I don't think it's a top 15 job. It's kind of hard to evaluate just how good of a job it really is when – you know, you don't have a great fan base. You don't have a lot of people that show up to football games. Your facility is 45 minutes away from your actual campus. And another point that we bring up so much on this show, California is now fourth year in and year out. Not first, second, or third. It's now fourth in terms of blue chip talent that you see year in and year out in recruiting. And fan interest in UCLA football is just <laughs> alarmingly low at this point. And I'm not sure how you reverse that trend. Right, Obviously winning you have to win, but everything operates in symbiosis in college football. And so it's a hard thing to do to win when you don't have fan support because how do you recruit to that? Winning starts with recruiting. It starts with talent acquisition. And how can you convince a kid, hey, UCLA, this is the place to be. Come wear the blue and gold. Be a Bruin. And play in front of 19,000 fans yeah. at the Rose Bowl. Like, <laughs> in a 90,000-seat stadium. Yeah. That just doesn't fly. I wonder if UCLA brought any recruits to the OU game in 2019 and the recruits show up and was like, there's more Oklahoma fans in here than there were <laughs> UCLA fans. Because that really had, there were more OU fans than UCLA fans at the Rose Bowl that, there that were. day. It, 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 insane. Uh, 402, Tyler, UCLA equals mustard. Thank you so much for remembering that. I did. I, I spilled mustard all over myself that game and had to buy a UCLA T-shirt to wear oh, for the no. remainder. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was embarrassing, but I'm glad that someone uh, <laughs> someone could remember that. Maybe true, Tyler, but Westwood or Lawrence. Um, in terms of like a college town, I didn't get to like go out in Westwood and see what it was all about, but. UCLA is probably the most beautiful campus I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's a really cool, really cool campus. But I didn't see much, like, the, the surrounding areas around Westwood. I didn't see what was going on around there. Never been to UCLA's campus. Obviously have been to the Rose Bowl. Covered OU UCLA there in 2019. And I will say, it is a gorgeous setting. Like, Yeah, it's cool, man. It's honestly criminal, the fact that UCLA can't get that stadium full week in and week out. Like, that is a referendum on the state of that UCLA football program when you have a venue like the Rose Bowl and you can't fill it. Come close to filling it, for that matter. Ah, but nothing's Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo in terms no, of the setting, man. Top tier, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how it can get better than that. UCLA all-time as a program, 585 winning percentage all-time. 
uh, one national championship, 1954. But, dude, that's in an era where, like, eight teams could claim the national championship for yeah, that correct. year. So I don't, I, I don't know if that's, like, an outright title or not. Um, one Heisman winner. You want to guess the last time UCLA won a conference championship? I'm going to say the 70s. 1998, oh, the wow, last okay. time that UCLA won a uh, conference championship. A lot more recent than I thought. Well, that's kind of bad, right? It's like ninety-eight. Oh, yeah, that's not that's way more recent than I thought for UCLA. Kind of lets everyone know how you and we feel about the UCLA football program over the past what twenty-five years or so, right? Man, and it's such a storied university too. Like as you mentioned, beautiful campus, great tradition athletically. Obviously, more than anything in the sport of basketball, but overall, there's a strong athletic tradition at UCLA. That blue and gold, man, it's a great color scheme. You get to play in the Rose Bowl. There is so much to like. There's a golf about- course right outside your own stadium if you ever get to play on it. I don't know what the rules are there. You are UCLA. There is no excuse for being this bad in all areas of your football program. Like not just not just on the field, but in terms of fan support and NIL and talent retention and recruiting and everything everything there's no excuse for a place like UCLA to struggle this hard and I think that reflects more on the administration than it does on Chip Kelly or anybody else that has coached UCLA football over the past quarter century OU's had a presence in California um I mean they just got a California commit from in this last year's class and, and maybe even in the 25 class as well they would, they would have had more than one California commit if Emmett Jones had room can you can you remember the last time OU and UCLA had like a head-to-head recruiting battle for someone I think UCLA was in on Adrian Peterson's recruitment yeah it doesn't shock me um Roy uh, Williams I think when he was trying he and Damian Mackey were coming out of California I think UCLA was was in on Roy but I can't really no one comes to mind recently, OU I and UCLA. Maybe, maybe J. Michael Sturdivant had UCLA in his final four. Did uh, how about this one? Did uh, Josh Waraboko, the Oklahoma kid? This is like ten years ago. Didn't he? Le- wouldn't he like a Cassidy kid, an offensive lineman? Yeah, Didn't he go to yeah, UCLA? Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I remember that name. Yes. Gosh. And then. Did he end up back at OU? I, I I don't think he finished at UCLA. I don't know if he ended back up at OU or not. But. Yeah, but you're right. There was yeah he did he did end up out at UCLA briefly. Uh, never made much of himself, at least from a football standpoint out there. Great point, text line. <laughs> Dylan Gabriel, the last UCLA versus OU recruiting battle. Yeah, yes. that was a recruiting battle for all of 20 minutes. Thanks for giving our quarterback for the past two years a place to sleep for about a week. Appreciate that, guys. UCLA put him up for about a week until it was time to commit to OU and make his way back to the state of Oklahoma. Good memory there, guys. Nice job. Nova Sooner says Micaiah Quick. I don't remember Micaiah Quick's, uh, who, who the other uh, big players were in his recruitment. Yeah, but. that was before me. I want to say, no, you know, you know, you know what? Josh Oroboko, here's, <laughs> here's why that rings a bell is because. I don't know if he played football at OU. I know he attended OU. I was in grad classes with him. Nice. So yes, he did. We were in grad school at the same time. So, yes, at a certain point, he was enrolled at the University of Oklahoma. It's going back a little while, though. Drew from Flower Mound says, have y'all seen Baylor's campus? I saw on U.S. News and World Report 
about 15 beautiful college campuses, and Baylor was one of them. Wow. Kind of curious if y'all have seen it and what y'all think. Yeah, look, one of my one of my best friends in the world, him and his wife live down in Waco. And I was actually visiting them not more than a month ago. And one of the things we did while I was down in Waco is we drove around and saw the sights on Baylor's campus. It's hard to fathom that that campus is one of the United States' 15 most beautiful. Yeah, I uh, I think Waco just sucks in general, to be quite honest with you. I'm not a fan of Waco whatsoever. Uh, 15 most beautiful campuses. I, was this a Waco publication that put this out, a Baylor publication? I'm not, I'm not buying that. I don't think anything in Waco is 15 most beautiful. Anything. I don't know if you can find any of that going yeah, on Yeah, now there. look, I... I do not hate Waco. I don't share Tyler's perspective on that, to be clear. I don't like, but Waco is not great. I don't think it's terrible. Baylor has a decent campus. I'll give them that. There's no chance whatsoever it's one of the 15 most beautiful in the United States. Uh, Can you address the talk about Porter Moser and DePaul, says a texture in the 405? Is there text about, are there conversations about Porter and DePaul? Uh, It's something that has been floating around, yes. Oh, hmm. I totally Um, missed that, I guess. I know DePaul's in Chicago, and clearly he was in Chicago. DePaul is in Chicago. He is from Chicago. Porter is Catholic. DePaul is the nation's largest Catholic school. DePaul has a coaching vacancy. DePaul hasn't been good in a while. DePaul hasn't been good in a while. But you know what's interesting? Like, Porter Moser, naturally, as some who is from Chicago, like grew up watching DePaul. He has acknowledged this in the past. Like he grew up watching DePaul in some of their better years as a basketball program. And what I think an interesting takeaway or an interesting point that kind of flew under the radar this week when Brandon Drum and I had our conversation with Jason Belzer, the CEO of Student Athlete NIL on the OU Insider and Advisor podcast, when Jason came on and talked about all things under the sun pertaining to NIL with us, one of the things he mentioned that Nobody really seemed to pick up on, for obvious reasons. I mean, there were a lot more notable storylines that came out of that interview, including the Caden Green stuff. But one of the thing he mentioned, one thing he mentioned is that schools that don't also have to fund NIL for a football program are about to experience a whole new world of liberation as far as their finances are concerned. Interesting. Because, I mean, look, you can go – when you have to pay for 85 scholarship football players or, you know, however many you're actually paying, in addition to a basketball program, you're going to have a much lower cap on what you can offer to players if you are at a school like Oklahoma, right, than if you're at a school like DePaul where you have no football program and the majority of your NIL funding can be poured into 15 spots on the basketball roster. And so <laughs> that is one area in which – that can actually, I think, and I, I don't know if restore is the right word, but create a lot of parity in college basketball because mid-major schools are going to be able to be very competitive sure. in the NIL game. Uh, Sooner Juts, my guy. I have family in Waco, and yes, it sucks. Shark says, most beautiful in covering up crimes in Ooh. Waco. Yikes. <laughs> 405. 651 3439. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, what kind of, that's the day it's going to be today. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, some OU Cruton when we get back. Could Seth Luttrell be close to getting his first quarterback commit at OU? I don't know. We'll talk about it next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McCombs and Thune on this Friday. Big college football story of the day in case you haven't heard. Chip Kelly is leaving UCLA 
to be the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. So now UCLA, the job is open. They're doing a national search. But there is a name that is already emerging, according to Brett McMurphy, as one of the early favorites. Oh, let me hear this one. Row, row, row your boat. P.J. Fleck of Minnesota oh my is rumored to be one of the heavy candidates for UCLA. And I just I can't picture that fit. No, that is a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> I can't picture that fit whatsoever. But honestly, I don't even know. He, like, There are some jobs that open up, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I could see... I could see this guy at this school having some interest. Like, this could work. I, I have no idea where to go on UCLA, man. Okay, well, first off, it's not P.J. Fleck, and it shouldn't be P.J. Fleck because P.J. Fleck is the perfect coach to be winning seven, eight, sometimes nine games a year at Minnesota for the rest of time. Now, <laughs> I – as I think about the the coaches that have taken the UCLA job over the years, my immediate thought is, okay, it's going to be a guy that is a former – well, how do I put this? A, somebody with West Coast ties, but probably somebody that has been a head coach before, has been through some hard times, maybe gotten fired. This is like an NFL retread hire, is it what is you're saying? N- yeah, that's the perfect way of putting yeah. it. It's an NFL retread hire. I mean, think about it. Rick Neuheisel. Yes. Jim Mora. Yep. Chip Kelly. Who's next? Um, this was before I think he was an actual retread. Dick Vermeil was the head coach in the mid-'70s for, for UCLA. Wow, that's going back a ways. Carl Durrell was there from 03 to 07. Like, that definitely felt like a retread hire for Colorado when they hired him. And Carl Durrell was actually here when Antonio Perkins broke the, uh, broke the punt return record. That's so right. thank you for that, for continuing to punt for, uh, to him, Carl Durrell. Appreciate that. So but yes, it is a, yeah, it's an NFL retread okay, spot. Okay, who, who fits that bill? I honestly, Bill O'Brien would be perfect. I was about to say it's Bob, but he's just taking the college. If he hadn't just taken the Boston College job, it's got to be somebody of that same ilk. Butch Jones to UCLA, make it happen, please. If Butch Jones goes to UCLA and beats Muleshoe in his first three years, would be glorious. I don't think Butch Jones would be getting that job. Who is a recently fired NFL coach that is currently unemployed? Uh, should be Mike McCarthy. How somehow he is uh, still employed by the Dallas Cowboys for another year. Uh, a recently fired. I, I mean, fired a couple of years ago. But Cliff Kingsbury was just out at was just out in L.A. Maybe for the second time in two weeks, he'll be like, "Yeah, just kidding. I know it was reported <laughs> I was going to take this job, but I'm actually not going to take the Commanders OC job either. I'm going back to UCLA." Huh. I'm gonna have to noodle on this one. Because, yes, UCLA is the NFL retread job. That is what it is. So. Doug and Norman is calling Seth Luttrell a retread hire, by the way. What? what why? Because <laughs> he was a head coach before? I, I guess so. Explain, Doug. Doug, is, uh, Doug also lets us know that he's back in SoCal for the weekend. Family is slash are big 49ers fans. They were season ticket holder for many years before they moved to Santa Clara. So we're watching the Super Bowl together be back home on Monday. Safe travels to you, Doug. Uh, Pete Carroll is on the text line. Bill Belichick is on the text line. Ed Orgeron. Jeff Fisher says Dinkin, Florida. Oh, Jeff Fisher, come on. I'd be down with it. Which, uh, the hard knocks when he was the head coach of the Rams. I'm not blanking going seven and nine. (laughs) 
and they didn't even win seven games that year. Oh, they didn't? No. I thought he went seven and nine every year. Well, except for that year that he said, I'm tired of going seven and nine. I think they won about four or five games and he got fired. Bel- a lot of Bill, you guys really want Bill Belichick to UCLA. There's zero chance. Bill, Bill Belichick, Belichick against Milshu every single year? Oh, Sign man. me up for that one, please. Like, it's, it's not plausible, but if it were, I'd pay good money to watch that. I, I would become a UCLA donor. UCLA would beat Muleshoe and USC. What would be the final score? Six to three every single year in that game? 13 to three. 13 to three. Belichick would just smash Lincoln Riley's soft offense that he's got out there at USC. What about Ed Ogeron for UCLA? As asked a uh, texture in the 402. Yeah, at this point, I like of all the bizarre cultural fits, especially in 2024, Ed Ogeron at the University of California, Los Angeles. Is about as bizarre of a cultural fit as there is. He was at USC at one point. He was. But there would have to be a clause in the contract that Ed O would only have to wear a shirt 30% of the time. Because based on what we know about his lifestyle now, down in the panhandle of Florida, he's only wearing a shirt about 10% of the time. That's how Ed O is living his life. Out there in a 30A, just walking around shirtless everywhere on the beach. I actually would love to, like, Ed Orgeron gets offered the UCLA head coaching job, but he stipulates in the contract, I get to coach shirtless. (laughs) That would be must-see TV. Imagine uh, it. You get you get mule shoe with his hair plugs and dry fit yeah, on oh one gosh. side. You get that coach side by side before the USC UCLA game kicks off, and you have mule shoe in his dry fit, Sweet. zero muscle mass whatsoever, and then it's Ed Orgeron who is like somewhere between yoked and beer bellied, tan as all get out, shirtless, wearing nothing but a pair of sunglasses. And a headset above the waist. Somehow he leads UCLA to eight wins. That's that's what would happen there. Doug Miles says Jason Garrett's. You get a lot of claps on the sideline if Jason Garrett's the head coach at UCLA. Leading the country in that. Urban Meyer's on the list. Muleshoe Jr. Garrett Riley is on the list. K.A. and B.A. says Vrabel. Mm, well, that would be a pretty good hire. Freddie Kitchens says Mongo. Lester Miles says Big Rich and OKC. Lovey, Lovey Smith, that's it. Okay, yeah. that's it. That's the Does guy. Does he still have the beard that he had when he was at Illinois? Yes. Okay. That's the guy. Lovey Smith to UCLA. I'm calling it right now. Should be a fascinating head coaching search, a national head coaching search, according to UCLA's AD. Uh, okay, let's get serious for about 90 seconds here. Darion Coleman is your latest future cast. Yeah. Uh, out of Orlando, six foot one, 160. An offer from Ole Miss, Arkansas, A&M, and Nebraska, and he's listed as a 2026 quarterback, correct? Yeah. I mean, the long and short of this pick, and I explained it to members over at OUinsider.com yesterday, shameless plug there, so if you're a member over there, you kind of already know, uh, and you know a much more in-depth backstory as to why I made this pick, but the long and short of it is that Oklahoma is kind of the offer Darion Coleman's been waiting on. He sees OU as the quarterback school. Because, I mean, we're talking about 2026 kids. That's what Oklahoma's been for pretty much the entirety of his lifetime is the quarterback school. And Mm -hmm. knows he can get to the league there, is mindful of the the tradition and the history and how offensively prolific Oklahoma has been, regardless of who's been calling the plays for the last decade. Uh, He's going to visit for the spring game, is what he told me. He said he will be back at some point during the summer. He wants to commit in June. And you look at his offer sheet, Oklahoma's the biggest offer he's got. 
Uh, you know what's interesting is you remember Trevor Jackson? You remember when he, Oklahoma was Did he briefly, end up at Ole Miss? Is that where he ended up, Trevor Jackson? He ended up at Ole Miss. He was committed to Ole Miss. He didn't end up signing with Ole Miss. And the reason he didn't end up signing with Ole Miss was because he got beat out at Orlando Jones High School as a senior last fall by none other than Darion Oh, Hunter, really? Who wow. was a sophomore. Yeah. Trevor Jackson ended up walking on at Florida State because he wasn't good enough to start over Darion Coleman. Okay, interesting. I, uh, I I remember Trevor Jackson. We're talking about him as maybe the second quarterback in the, what, 24 class just yep. last year. But, all right, Darion Coleman. Maybe he can be uh, Seth Luttrell, the retread hire, as Doug and Norman has <laughs> called him, his first quarterback uh, commits at OU. And that's the spot that he's been in. I mean, Seth Luttrell's been on campus now for, what, a, a, a few months now? And it's I don't have to hit the ground running on 24, and I'm already set on 25. He can kind of you know get familiar with the with the surroundings a little bit and go after a 26 quarterback. So um, maybe that's what'll happen with Darion Coleman. Is it way too early to even project what star rating he might have in his when his initial rating comes out? Is he a potential four star guy? He will be at least a four star guy. Yes. I mean, look, I, I talked to his quarterback trainer who trains a lot of the top guys down in the state of Florida. He said, Darion Coleman has the best arm talent of any guy I've ever trained. Wow. So, there you go. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, we got to get to your text. We also have to get to the fact that uh, OU is off to a hot start in 2025 recruiting. Not my words. One of the other recruiting services' words. We'll tell you what they say coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. We're also, like, officially on to the 2025 class. There for a few weeks, like, nothing was going on, but we still hadn't hit the second signing period for the 24 class. Well, that's done. That's over with. We are fully on the 2025 right now, and OU currently has the number five overall class in 2025, according to Rivals. Notre Dame at one, LSU at two, Clemson at three, Ohio State at four, OU at five. I feel like it's the third consecutive year where at this time of the recruiting cycle, Notre Dame has the number one class yet again. It's like they always jump off, jump yep. out to this big lead and yep. then come back to the pack a little bit as the cycle goes on. But Marcus Freeman and company got 14 commits already and have the number one class according to rivals. 24-7 identifies OU as one of the teams off to a hot start in 2025. Uh, old Ivan's over there says this. He starts by saying they have six commits and they're all in-state commits. What? Well, they got ten commits, actually, but okay. We'll see what else he says. Offensive lineman Ryan Foge is a recent commit, and I love him. Oklahoma does an excellent job when it comes to identifying big athletic offensive linemen. He launches out of his stance and can play three to four different spots. Marcus James is how you want a mid-skill he plays some tight end and linebacker. The Sooners won him on the defensive side of the ball. He's got twitch. He's one of the more unique prospects we've come across in 2025. What do you think about that, other than uh, he shorted OU by four commits? Yeah, that doesn't quite track, does it? How can you say Oklahoma has six commits, they're all in-state guys, and then start talking about Ryan Foje the, the, the next The first sentence. one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, but... Yeah, look, Oklahoma started hot. They have, and I think a lot of those guys that they got early evals and early commitments from 
uh, are going to make a rise. We've talked about that, and we've started to see that. Ryan Foje is a four-star guy as of a couple days ago. Owen Hollenbeck, I think, is another guy that you can definitely count on becoming a four-star probably pretty soon. And then uh, if we're talking about others from the three-star crowd that have the potential to rise, Kamari Moore and Marcus James are the other two on my short list that I think are going to get that fourth star. So that's one section on OU's 25 class. They have another one, recruiting intel and recent developments. This is from our pal Tom Loy. Oh, okay. Tom Loy says four-star edge Max Granville is a really good player that they can land. They're in the top two. Oklahoma is the favorite for four-star corner Kobe Sellers at this point. Four-star safety Jonah Williams is a top 50 prospect and a big-time talent and is looking hard at Oklahoma. Sooners fans need to be fired up. I could see it happening with all three of those guys. What a boost they would be. Tom Loy's telling you all to be fired up. Are you fired up? Who's fired up about the 2025 class? Tom's saying you better be that way. Already a good start, and there's three... Defensive prospects there that Oklahoma's in good shape for. This really could be a another excellent defensive class, the way that it's shaping up early. I know what text we're going to get, and there's an element of truth to it. When Tom Loy is saying nice things about OU football <laughs> recruiting, that's how you know OU football recruiting is doing quite well. Yeah. 2025 Cruton already on fire emoji, says the texture in the 405, and... This, I mean, they're off to their best start that they've had so far um, since they've been on campus. Now, this won't be as big of a class as it was last year. And maybe it's not even ranked as high as the number seven ranking it had via rivals in 2024. I'm going to guess that it has a really good chance to. But, Parker, they haven't been in this spot at this time of the year since this new staff has been on campus. They're, they're, They're in a really good spot right now. No, I can't remember the time. And, you know, again, I haven't been in the industry all that long compared to some others. But offhand, I cannot remember the last time Oklahoma went into February of a given recruiting cycle with double-digit commits already on the board. So this is kind of the culminate. Well, I shouldn't say the culmination because I don't think this is the zenith of Oklahoma's recruiting efforts. But everything that Brent Venables preached about their philosophy in recruiting – and their areas of emphasis are kind of like you're seeing that those are manifesting very tangibly in what Oklahoma has been able to do early in the process with some of these 2025 guys. Mongo says I was fired up before Tom Lloyd told me to be fired up. Now I'm worried that it's a trap. I kind of am too. Have you ever heard Tom Lloyd's voice? No. Do you want to? Yes. What? Yeah, of course. One, one second. I don't even one know second. what I'm imagining here. Um, Nothing could have prepared me for what his voice sounds like. Okay. And, I, and I worked with the guy for years. Let's see if the face matches up with the voice. I'm going to guess that it probably that it probably doesn't. Ta- Hang it, on, give me a second. I'm going to have to find a clip of him talking. Okay. Well, let's. Ooh, there, is that it right there? Okay. okay. Tom Loy, what do you sound like? Okay, so this is. We're going to start off with Ivan's talking, and then he's going to kick it to Tom Loy. Here you go. What is going on with Ashton Bethel Roman? You know, Will Turboff on the Baylor site reported that he was in Waco at one point. I believe he also got to Houston. We're talking about a, a dynamic wide receiver. So, what's the latest there? At least, at least over the weekend, it was a three-team race between A and M, Houston, and Baylor. Um, but as of today, you know, my crystal ball is on the Aggies. Uh, I know that. What is that? Also it's Tom Loy. You know, that's Tom Loy. Yes. At this point, so. Um, and yeah, I'm nervous now. I, I don't feel good about it. I wish I wouldn't have read that. 
Scrap all like, that. Cut this segment here. Do not be fired up about OU's recruiting class it's if like, that's what it's like. It's like hearing Patrick Mahomes for the first time. <laughs> yes, you remember when everybody yes. came to that realization that, oh, that guy sounds like Kermit the Frog. Uh, hey, you know what? You playing Tom Loy's voice got Ronnie Crimson to end his cold streak on the text line. Really? Ronnie hadn't texted us since Grandy's was brought up on January 26th, but he just sends Tom Loy's voice after that. Like, skull emoji, skull good, emoji, skull good, emoji. Good to hear from you, Ronnie. I'm glad it took Tom Loy's voice to get you back. Sooner Jet says it's an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> you guys are mean. <laughs> Unbelievable. Guy from Vars Unknown says, nothing wrong with taking a little helium shot before you go on air. That's what I thought, too, a little helium shot. That's that's nice. Tom Loy is 15, says Big Rich in OKC. Um, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. I do have the uh, star ratings for the main players in the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Boy, it's three-star you out in Vegas this you, weekend, You don't buddy. say. 22 starters are listed. Uh, offensive starters, 11 for the Chiefs, 11 for the Niners, obviously. 22 listed offensive starters for the Super Bowl. 17 of the 22 were either three-star or lower. Isn't that insane? Brock Purdy was a three-star. Debo Samuel was a three-star. George Kittle was a three-star. Trent Williams was a three-star. Uh, Travis Kelsey was a two-star. Patrick Mahomes was a three-star. Though I Oops. guess everyone thought Mahomes was just going straight to the Major League Baseball draft. Isn't that why they didn't? Yes, he was yeah. a big-time baseball prospect. Now, again, folks, this is where I remind you all that regardless of what narratives you have spun in your head, three stars in general are still really good football players. They're humans, and too. And what I think that point better illustrates is that development matters. So you can, you can load up on blue-chip dudes, but if you don't have coaches that can develop them, they will eventually be overtaken by three-star guys that were developed properly. Now, there's some former five-stars on this sure. list. Chase Young was a five-star. Uh, I believe Bosa was a five-star as well uh, going into Ohio State. But there's a lot of three-star power playing in this game on uh, on Sunday night in the Super Bowl, which I thought was fascinating. Big Rich in OKC, one more, says uh, Tom Lloyd is known as Baby Shark. And that was in all caps. <laughs> Thank you for that, Big Rich. Very nice. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More of your text and more Cruton in the 2025 class coming up next. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Half-price oil changes on Saturdays. Go see him in El Reno. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC. Pastor MC says, how did Oklahoma's 2024 recruiting class finish in the rankings? Number seven on Rivals. And you guys had them. That was the highest rank that uh, OU had in the 24 cycle, correct? Number yes. Seven Among on all the recruiting services, yeah. yes. Seventh is the highest. Travis from California says, what was CMC ranked? Uh, Christian McCaffrey was a four-star, the number 91 overall player coming out of high school. 214 says, can we go over how many stars were on national championships starting 22 the past 15 years, not named Michigan? I do not have that information right in front of me. You will see a lot of four and five stars on those rosters because, well, Alabama won a lot of those national championships. The point about telling you how many former three stars in this game are not to say that star rankings don't matter or to get your entire class full of three stars 
the point was simply three stars are people too. And three stars can turn out to be good, greats, even Hall of Fame level uh, football players. It can happen. Hey, just for kicks and giggles, let's hear from Tom Loy again. Tom, could it be more good news for John Summerall down there in New Orleans? Yeah, I got a weird feeling that it's the Tulane's going to be getting this one done. I'd probably say that there's more optimism in South Florida right now. I think the sources connected to Tulane are a little bit, they're almost like cautiously optimistic, nervous, like it's just not going to work out in the end. I, so my podcasting equipment, I don't know about yours, but it has all these different settings, and you uh-huh. can do, like, different voices. You can make yourself sound like an alien, essentially. I, maybe, maybe is there a button pushed wrong on his podcasting equipment? Is that what's going on? Is that how it really sounds? I don't know. Tom Loy. We're going to have to incorporate his. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the search for more Tom oh, Loy yeah, this audio is, this clips. This is going to have to be regular content here on the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Jonah Williams has been... Major talking point this week because all the crystal balls rolled in last weekend. I think Fong even put in one this week. So the word from you and Brandon is the staff doesn't necessarily love all of the crystal balls and future casts and all this stuff that have rolled in for him because it pushes back the timeline. All right. Well, that's unfortunate for OU's sake, but I'm going to guess that it doesn't change the fact. If it pushes back the timeline or not, I'm going to guess it still doesn't change the fact, though, that OU leads the way for his recruitments. They do lead the way. Again, it makes their life more difficult, all those predictions flying in. And it's like, straight up, it's going to make Jonah Williams more difficult to hold on to in the end. I think Oklahoma can do it. I think Oklahoma easily, without question, has the best relationships with the kid. But (laughs) this complicates things. This complicates things a lot. And I think there was a chance before all those predictions flew that maybe Jonah Williams wouldn't end up taking any more visits anywhere else. You can read into that as you see fit. But I find it hard to believe that when this dead period ends, at this point, he's not going to take at least a few more other visits. Yeah. Um, I, I know you're laughing at the text line there, so go ahead. Fire away. <laughs> Recruiting Boomer says Tom Lloyd's mic is stuck on auto-tune. T-Pain mode. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Tom Lawyer, David Spade, says a texture from the 580. Maybe Tom is a jockey, says a listener. Ah, yeah, that could be. TC and T-Town, that reminds me of when you speed up the 45s uh, back in the day. So, Tom Loy content, you guys are welcome for that on a, uh, on a Friday. I mentioned that we are, this is it, man, it's 2025 class really from, from here moving forward, and some things will happen in 2026 as well, but 24 is kind of in the rearview mirror here. What about what about national storylines for 2025? Is there a storyline bigger than maybe what the biggest football storyline is moving forward? How Kalen DeBoer does at Alabama? How will he recruit? Will he continue to have the number one, number two class like Nick Saban's had for so many consecutive years? Because I did see in two years at Washington, he never signed a top 200 player. Now, he's going to be in a different situation at Alabama. He'll sign a top 200 player more than one. But I got to think that's one of the bigger national storylines in 2025. What does Kalen DeBoer do? Because Auburn's kind of hot right now on the recruiting trail. Georgia, of course, is not going away. Can he win some of those big-time recruiting battles that Nick Saban did? He already won a huge one getting Ryan Williams back in the fold. And so that sets a good precedent for Kalen DeBoer as he prepares to go head-to-head with Auburn and Georgia and Florida State and the other titans of the area on the recruiting trail. 
But, you know, you're at, at some point, you're going to have to have proof of concept on the football field. You're not going to be able to rely on what you've done at Washington to recruit. You're going to have to show these kids that you can take what you did at Washington and shoot, you want to go back further than that, take what you did at Fresno State and the University of Sioux Falls and apply it and gain success from it at the University of Alabama, which is a tough place to win. It wasn't tough for Nick Saban, but anywhere in the SEC, unless you are one of the legitimate studs in the profession, <laughs> is a tough place to win football games because everything has to be functioning on all cylinders in the SEC if you not only want to win but establish a tradition of winning, establish a habit of winning, right? And there are coaches in the SEC – that have been able to pop off double-digit wins in a single season once or twice, right? Dan Mullen comes to mind. But the guys that have been able to sustain it in the SEC are much more sparse. I mean, you're talking about Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and really who else? Again, Ed Orgeron had a moment there at LSU. Les Miles certainly did as well. But I'd say you got to probably probably got to go back to Urban Meyer at Florida yep. to find a guy yep. outside of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart that has developed a perennial – winning program in the SEC. Forget about who's going to win the big game on Sunday. Who cares? What's the goat of Super Bowl food before we get out of here? Wings. Chicken wing? Got to be yeah. chicken wings, right? Straight Got to be. Yeah. So Sorry, what I written down. Oh, no. Tag, go ahead and tag PETA on, on that one right there. Our two uh, Twitter handles, please. Let PETA know that chicken wings are the goat of Super Bowl food. The Rush, coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.